St. Michael's, will you stand? Lord, we're just so grateful to come into this new season with you. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Open our eyes to see. Just bless everyone here this morning and watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Gives our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. 
Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone, I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit.
Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We're going to sing the light of the Advent wreath, and we're going to ask the worship band to light the Advent wreath for us.
phone, Josh. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. We're going to bless the children now. Come on up, guys. <laughs> Josh wants a blessing, too. Well, Lord, we thank you for these children. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless them, that you would watch over them and protect them, Lord. And pray that you bless them during this Sunday school time, that they can learn about you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I know it's your birthday. So... <laughs> morning's first reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for reading the psalm. This morning's psalm is Psalm 25. We'll read it by the half verse. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. For your name's sake, O Lord. Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. And his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I will Redeem Israel, O God. Out of all their troubles. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. This morning's second reading comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, commencing at verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke, chapter 21, beginning in verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that the summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to me, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that as I share the words uh, that you've given me today, that you would be present in our midst, Lord. I pray that it wouldn't be the words that I speak, but your spirit that transforms hearts that is present this morning. And I pray that you'd guide me as I share the things that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Advent. If you didn't know, we've got some new decorations. We're all in blue. I really like when we're in blue. Let me tell you, it's my favorite season of the year. Um, I was enjoying uh, the readings this morning because I felt like I could identify with some of the struggles that were happening with Jeremiah and what Jesus is predicting about wars and rumors of wars, all these difficult things. He said that there would be signs in the stars. And since the Dallas Cowboys lost the last couple weeks, I feel in my heart that there are signs in the stars of difficulties and struggles. But I celebrate because he said, when you see those things, the kingdom of God is near. So it's okay, Dallas Cowboy fans. The kingdom of God is near. I'm joking a little bit, right? Uh, What he's talking about is far bigger than whether the Dallas Cowboys, God's own team, loses a football game, right? Jesus is not talking about that, believe it or not. 
He is talking about a far more evident reality in which we currently live. Did you know that Jesus was around like 2,000 years ago? Somewhere around 2021, 22 years ago, Jesus was on this earth talking about these things to his disciples. And yet, he's talking about the exact same situation that we are in right now. There are things in the world that are causing whole nations to panic in perplexity and confusion. There are signs in the moons and the stars. What he's talking about there is there are momentous events happening that are making everybody lose their minds. And he's warning not just those people in Jesus' day, but he's warning us today. Don't get carried away in fear when it looks like the world is coming apart. Now, of course, right now there's this really popular genre of movie, these disaster films, where literal canyons open up in the middle of L.A., and waves take over all of New York, and all these crazy things. We love to see those things. It's exciting. It's thrilling to watch people outrace the end of the world. And we're not quite seeing that right now, so let's not overblow it. But we are seeing in the conversation in the world, in the media, this desperation over the battle of ideas, this sense in the world. I shared uh, recently at the men's meeting how the, the numbers of anxiety and depression are going so far up because all the messaging that we're seeing is you should be really scared at what's going on in the world. You know why you should be scared? You should be scared because those filthy Republicans are doing the things Republicans do. Or if you're on the other side, you should be scared because those filthy Democrats are doing what the Democrats do. We're hearing messages like this left and right, and we're actually seeing things happening in our school curriculum or in uh, the tragedy that happened when the man drove into the winter parade. We're seeing things happen all over the world that are extremely concerning. I was watching a silly show the other night, and they said, they were obsessed with true crime podcasts. And he said, every true crime podcast is actually true to someone. And there's something about this momentous sharing of difficult, tragic, uh, what's the word? This, these situations that are devastating that can make us, even if they're not happening to us, feel out of place, anxious, perplexed as we look at the world. That is the world that Advent looks to speak to. That is the world that Jesus is speaking to, even 2,000 years ago. And it doesn't mean that just because in 2,000 years the world hasn't ended, that it doesn't feel very real in your own life when crises are coming. It doesn't mean that these mountains that you're facing, well, Jesus was talking about that same thing 2,000 years ago, you'll get over it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, yes, you might be facing things that are challenging to your family, to your children, to your neighbors. You might be encountering tragedy in the world. You might be encountering what might feel like the whole world, your whole world is falling apart. And it may be real. But even in that moment, there is hope because Jesus tells us our redemption is drawing near. So I want to do two things when I talk about that. I want to remind you that even if you're facing the worst thing you've ever seen in your life, even if it is real, we have a God in Jesus Christ who 
faced the cross, who faced betrayal by everyone he knew, and came out the other side with resurrection and life. So even when you're in those moments, you can have hope. And secondly, these type of things have been happening for 2,000 years, and the church and Jesus still stand before you and cry out, Jesus is coming. There is hope in all of our situations. You are participating in what's common to mankind when we go through these difficult times. So as we talk through this, I want to jump into Jeremiah 33. But before I do, I felt like as I was praying about this sermon this morning that I wanted to say over this season of Advent, as we go into the new church year, as we go into the Christmas season, and then the secular new year, that God wants you to know that this is going to be a season of restoration and multiplication in your life. I think that there's an actual present word of God for us this morning. Not just a lesson to learn, but a promise to you in your particular situation that he's going to move in your heart and in your life, in your relationships, in your jobs, in those places that feel dead or broken or hurting. And he wants to restore. And not only restore, but what God does is he actually, we find in Scripture, he multiplies the bounty on these people, when the mourned are comforted, they're not just comforted, but they're also given out of the abundance of his storehouses. So I want to declare that over our church and over our people right now, that there is a lot of signs that we're going into a season that's going to get harder and harder and harder. And sometimes we can take those signs too seriously. I mean that in the sense that, yes, I think there are challenging days ahead for each of us. I think if you just pay attention, you'll see that there are monumental things that have to be overcome in our culture, in our lives, in our families. But that what Advent tells us is that Jesus comes in the darkest part of the year, and he changes the whole situation. He doesn't just make everything easy, but he empowers us to overcome, to walk on the water in the midst of the storm, to move the mountains in our lives and the lives of those around us. All of this is a message of great hope. And so I think we're going into a season of restoration and multiplication. And what is multiplication for? When God talks about multiplication in the Bible, it's always a blessing on you that you may bless those around you. Your cup is filled to overflowing so that the people around you can participate in the blessings of God on your life. So if God blesses you with finances, well, guess what? He might have something for you to do with those finances. He might have you build a thing that helps people. He might have you give money away. Remember where your source is. If God blesses you with just a great, healthy family, then you need to look at the families around you that are hurting, that are broken, and find ways to encourage them with the overflow of goodness that he's given you. I think we all know this. I see it happening day by day in our church. I am so encouraged to be walking with St. Michael's today. Because I see these things happening, but I want to remind you that as we enter into this season that I'm saying is full of restoration and multiplication, to take a moment to look around and say, where has God blessed me in a way that I can then bless others? It could be as simple as giving somebody a phone call and saying, I have the joy of the Lord. Maybe I should impart some joy to this person who I know is going through a difficult time, a difficult season. Advent is a time of opening our eyes and looking around us to see those people around us. 
So we're going to jump into Jeremiah 33, and that's really what sparked this idea that this is really a word for St. Michael's in this day and age. So as we're reading this, let's think, how could this be applied to our lives as we go through and learn from Jeremiah? So in 33, starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. I'm going to stop right there. So I'm reading out of the ESV. It says the court of the guard. NKJV is clearer. He's in prison. So Jeremiah's there. He's in prison. For the second time, the word of the Lord comes to him while he's in prison. And this is what God says. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So let's start with this. It says this little phrase at the end of one of those verses is the Lord is his name. What's the point of putting that? He's talking about the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. The Lord is his name. The point is that the enemy's strategy is to minimize God and maximize fear. That's his strategy for us. If you find yourself in a moment of anxiety, well, start thinking and maximizing your perspective of who God is. The Lord is his name. He built the whole earth. You think he can handle that math test that's stressing you out or the bill that you don't know how to pay? Yeah, he can. He can. He will lead you through those times. Maximize your knowledge of the Lord and watch fear shrink at the same time. That's why we know that we call on the name of the Lord. That's why he's emphasizing this. And then he says, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. This is the really remarkable voice throughout all of Scripture. It sets, it sets up in the very beginning of the Bible. God speaks and the whole world and galaxies come to being. You know, there's nobody who brought that to mind and to bear more in our popular culture than Carl Sagan. Talking about us as the pale blue dot and the infinitesimal dot in this giant realm of space. And we're so insignificant. But the word of Scripture goes farther than that. It does say that. We are insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Except that God says, draw near to me, the one who built everything that is, and I will answer you. Except that we are God's chosen people. In the whole galaxies, there's all this talk about aliens. I don't know if there's aliens or not, but people are getting really freaked out about aliens right now. Did you guys hear the FBI was unleashing all this information about UFOs, unidentified flying objects, and videos? Everybody's getting all freaked out. I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you one thing today. Whether they're aliens or not, I don't care currently. I would care if they were here, but I don't care currently. If there are aliens or not, I don't care. The most important thing you need to know is that Jesus Christ became a man, a human being, that we might have relationship with God. So yes, think about the wonders of the galaxy and the world, but bring it back to the message of Scripture, which is in the midst of that, he chose you. And he says, I'm at your beck and call. I'm here if you will seek me and find me. Don't get lost in the mix. And so he says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I just want to address one thing that I've been hearing quite a bit lately. There's this philosophy in the world that if you come encounter a problem, all you need to do is stop 
and the answer will arise from within you. Or the answer, you know, oh, just hold on a second. It will come to you, right? That there's some sort of ethereal thing that you are divine inside and you have all of the answers inside of you. And if you just wait, they will bubble to the surface. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the God of the universe reaching out and teaching you things that you can't know without him. We're talking about encountering a real being who knows and loves you deeply. We're not talking about an impersonal force that's going to give you some magic revelation. No, we're talking about get on your knees and ask God and he will answer you. And he'll give you the answer you need. The thing about a word about restoration and multiplication is that it implies that you're broken and that you need more. (laughs) And that's true. Every one of us needs more of what God provides. Every one of us has broken places in our life. So call to him. He will answer you. We need to look to the Lord. And I'm kind of skipping through some of the passages in uh, Jeremiah 33. So we're going to jump down to verse 6. And this is all the promises that God is giving Jeremiah while he's chained up in a dungeon. And let me just tell you, I'm going to spoil the ending. He dies eventually without seeing God fulfill his promises to him. I mean, he sees a lot of things God warns him about. There's going to be wars. There's going to be slaughter. He sees that. But he doesn't see the restoration. But Jeremiah holds on to faith. And it's because God speaks to him these promises. And so God speaks in 33.6, Behold, I will bring to it, Jerusalem, health and healing. And I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. There's two things that really jumped out to me. Abundance of prosperity and security. What do we struggle with every day? We struggle with a poverty mindset. There's a way of talking about being, there's a a way of talking about poverty in the sense that it's a mindset more than it's a reality. You may be broke, you might have no money, you might be in debt, but there's a death that comes if you embrace the poverty mindset. The reason that we don't have to embrace the poverty mindset no matter what our bank account says is because God has promised us that he will provide for us out of his riches and glory. This is the guy who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Or maybe that translates to like, More than Apple, I don't know, more than the company Apple. He owns all the things. (laughs) And yet we embrace this poverty mindset in so many areas of our life. Not just money. Money's the obvious one. Money's the obvious one. We are afraid that our money is not going to be enough for us. And so we worry and anxious and we work to try and get more money so that we can establish ourselves and we can have security. These are the two things God's going to provide Abundance of prosperity and security. But we think if we just work really hard, we can do it. But there's other times where poverty mindset comes into play. In particular, I was thinking about when I was a college student. And as a young male college student, there was not a free meal that I would not eat. Let me tell you, there wasn't an event that advertised free food that I would not make time to go to. Because I had a poverty mindset. There's never enough food on a college campus as a young male. They gave you a meal plan, and I would run out in, like, October with two months left in the semester, and nobody knew how. 
I, well, I ate it all. But the point is that there's a poverty mindset that we have, and uh, it's quickly labeled FOMO, fear of missing out, right? You can kind of apply that to every bit of your life. I took that extra hours at work because I was afraid I was going to miss out on money, and I sacrificed my family to money. It needs a little bit of clarification. Yes, sometimes God says, go work so that you can provide for your family. But did you do it out of the fear? Because in the New Testament, it says, whatever you do without faith is sin. So did you do it out of faith, living to God? Or did you do it because you needed more money? Because you were afraid. Fear of missing out of opportunities. Oh, I've got to go to all of the parties because you only live once. And I've got to experience the joy of the Lord at this party with my great wine and the music and the friends that I love. Maybe God says, why don't you just hang back and spend some time with your family or fixing the electrical outlet that went bad or whatever it is. I don't want to make a specific argument here because I don't want anybody here to feel a weight of guilt. Oh, I went to a party last night. No, God loves parties. Did you know heaven is going to be a party? That's literally what we're promised. It's a bridal festival. It's a party that we're heading towards. But I am telling you, right, I am telling you that this fear that has infested our culture, that there's never going to be enough, there's never going to be enough. I'm here to tell you today that God is enough, that God will provide for your needs out of his riches and glory. And that not only includes money or food, that includes your soul. The needs of your soul for joy, for entertainment, for peace, for righteousness. All of these things are things that he's built into you to long for. But we make idols out of them. And we chase the newest thing. I've got to go to this concert. I'll never get to see him again. I'm so scared. We have eternity to be provided for by God. Maybe we could give up something and go help out at the food pantry. Or maybe we could give up something and spend some time loving on our neighbor that's not the most entertaining person. But I feel a call or draw to minister to them. What are the things, I'm just kind of talking about some examples, but what are the things that are coming to your mind as you think of the things that you have to do? I will argue right now that if there's anything that you absolutely have to do, 90% of those, that list, probably you don't have to do them. You might want to revisit and say, God, what's going on? Why do I feel this anxiety when I don't get to do this thing? Maybe it's watching the Cowboys football game, as I've said before. Maybe I need to let go of that sometimes, right? Haley's smiling and laughing. She knows how anxious I can get over that. But there's something here for us this Advent. Last example I'll talk about is the elder brother and the prodigal son's story. Got this beautiful story of a son who demands his inheritance from a wealthy father and says, I'm going to go live on my own. He comes back in destitution. The father embraces him and we all cheer, except the elder brother. The elder brother in this story is off pouting. He said, you never killed a fatted calf and put a robe on me and gave me a ring? And the father's heart is broken. He says, don't you know that all of this is yours? See, the elder brother had a poverty mentality. He gave it to him, but not to me. That's poverty mentality. Jealousy is a poverty mentality. If you know that you're the son of the king of the whole earth who owns everything that is, why are you afraid that you don't have enough? Sometimes. You need to stop and ask God, why am I afraid? He'll open it up to you. 
The elder brother was afraid because he didn't realize that literally every cow on the field was his. The father's like, you have everything you need. And then I'll mention the despair that can happen when we feel a lack of security. Remember, the two promises that I just pulled out were an abundance of prosperity, not just prosperity, an abundance of prosperity and security. Now, this one's a little bit different. When you don't feel secure, you open the door to despair. And a quick example, they had this experiment that the psychologist ran with these rats where he put them in a bucket of water and he said, okay, we're going to see how long they can swim. And a couple of them gave in within a couple minutes and they drowned, right? And then there was a few of them that would swim for days without giving up. So he said, what's going on here? What's the difference between these two types of rats? So he changed the experiment, and he put the rats back in the water. He had new rats, and he said, okay, right when they're about to give up, I'm going to save them from their predicament. And he saved them out of the water. He nourished them back to health. And once he had these healthy rats who had all been saved at the moment that they were going to drown, he put them back in the bucket and did the experiment again. Every one of those rats from the second experiment would not stop swimming. Why is that? Because they had hope that they would be saved. Where is our security? Our security lies in the hope of salvation. Right? As you face the world, your security doesn't lie in your finances. It doesn't lie in the fact that nothing bad will ever happen to you. It doesn't lie in some protection that you can provide for yourself. It lies in the hope of God's salvation. Right? Now, of course, the experiment, kind of sad, right? Rats died. Fine. But the point of it is, is that if you just keep swimming, we've actually been promised that God himself will not only save you, but even should you die, he will raise you from the dead. Right? There is no situation you come up with that God doesn't end up redeeming. There's not a situation you can possibly encounter in this world that God won't redeem. Amen? Amen. And in the end, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. We are a people of hope. And that's why at the beginning of this, when God's introducing this promise, he says, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call me and I will answer you. What do we say? Our help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, let's move on. In 33, verse 9. So these are the, he's continuing to promise. And I'm telling you that you can take hold of these promises in your own life and in the life of us as the body of St. Michael's Church. In this city, Jerusalem, shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all nations of the earth, who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. I just had to read this verse because that is a great promise. God will be so good to his people that the nations will fear and tremble. Because they'll be like, how do they have so much favor and blessing in their life? How many of us walk around being like so blessed that everybody's just, oh my gosh, look, he's coming. He's got the blessing of the Lord on his life. Ah, That's what God's promising. 
Seems outrageous. But God is so much bigger than even his promises. We can actually take that to the bank because he promised it. I think uh, there's an interesting point because they, all of these promises are always married with this uh, requirement for repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I just wanted to quickly address that as we enter Advent. My daughter, my beautiful Ruby, uh, is having a little difficulty lately eating her food at dinner. You know, even to the point of screaming and throwing her plate on the floor because she doesn't want to eat her food, whatever food we gave her. And so we deal with that situation and we say, okay, eventually at some point it's like, okay, if you're all done, you're all done. I'll take your plate away. And then the strawberries come out that Auntie Emily bought. And all of a sudden, Ruby is not done with dinner. No, she needs to eat the strawberries. But as a good father, can I give her a reward for her disobedience? Nah, I can't. If she's hungry, she can eat the food that was set before her. I bring that up because that's a lot of the time what's going on with God and us, I think. He's laid the table before us. We're promised he even lays a table before us in the presence of our enemy. And we throw it on the ground. And we scream and cry about it. Maybe not out loud, but in our brains, you know, we're like complaining to God about what he's given us. And then we look at the thing that the other person has and we say, we want that instead. We want that job. We want that car. We want that house. We want that family. We want that thing. And God says, hey, I laid this before you. And I can't reward disobedience. Not because he doesn't love us, but because he loves us, he will not train us to be rewarded when we are looking away from him. So he says, no, repent, and then I can pour out my blessings upon you. I can show you the way that is good. And not only that, but when you repent, you actually learn to love what God has given you. You learn to appreciate what God has given you. You learn to desire the things that he has for you. Does that mean everything God gives you is a walk in the park? No, there are things that you just go through and it's difficult and you walk out the other side thanking God for the end of that season in your life. But you have to walk through it and you have to accept what he's given you. And then you look and you see as he resurrects those things that you laid down to embrace what he had set before you. So as we're wrapping up, there's just so many great promises in this. But I'm going to skip forward. Okay, verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's the declaration of Advent. Behold, the days are coming. Behold, the days are coming. And when he says, I, I will fulfill the promises... We actually are the inheritors of the promise we're told in the, in the New Testament. And when we look out at the world and we look at all the things that we've seen, I want you to know today that it is not your ability to follow God that's going to earn you the promises or your ability to figure out how to solve the answer to your current predicament. But it's actually God's ability to provide what he has guaranteed. And so I want you to know as we go into this season, if you get one thing out of this message, it's trust in the Lord. 
Put your trust in the only thing, the only name that saves, the only person who will bring you out of that place that you're in into the newness of life that he has prepared before you. And have hope. There is nothing you're facing that God is not able to redeem. Amen? Let's pray real quick. 1 Thessalonians verse 3, uh, Paul writes a small prayer for these people he's writing to in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen? Amen. Let's continue with the statement of our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being with one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended in heaven and was seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we begin this Advent season of prayer and expectation, let us present our needs before God with confidence. That the church, eagerly longing for the return of Christ, will make herself ready by pursuing righteousness, justice, peace, and mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer that nations will strive for peace with one another, especially their enemies. Lord, in your mercy, hear our that justice and mercy fill our land, protecting the poor, the vulnerable, and the unwanted child. Lord, in your mercy, hear our that those who suffer from the bondage of addiction will experience the freedom which is in Christ alone. Lord, in your mercy, hear our that those who suffer from the bondage of... Sorry. That we will, as St. Paul prayed, increase and abound in love toward one another and to all. Lord, in your mercy. That the sick and the lonely will find healing and comfort in Christ and his church. Lord, in your mercy. That in this season of Advent, we will be faithful to watch and pray, making ourselves ready for the Lord's return. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven. 
through the Lord our righteousness as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be ready to meet him at his return. We ask this through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Peace, Lord, be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor. Peace. All right, good morning, everybody. As Jesse pointed out, it is the, the first Sunday of Advent, and so I've got a, a, full, a full scope of announcements here. Um, this is our last Sunday to do the mission offering for the CEC. And then here locally in our church, next week we're going to do a potluck, and I think we're, we're celebrating and kind of sending off Ron Broyles, who's a longtime member of our church. We prayed for him at the men's retreat. And we're going to try and meet after church and do a little potluck here in the fellowship hall to just uh, celebrate him and send him on his way. He's moving to North Carolina. Um, we, have a, we have a bunch of other uh, announcements. And uh, we've got Christmas services coming up and all that. Uh, but I was just – I was – Pay attention to the website and to your email. We're going to send this stuff out to you. But there was something about this, like this candle here. And I asked Ed earlier, I go, what is that? And he goes, it's the light of hope, that candle there. Um, and, you know, God's given me an assignment this Advent and this Christmas. And I'm embracing it. And just I, I encourage you to ask the Lord to show him what he wants you to do. How can, how can that light be kindled in your life? The light of hope. Amen? Amen. All right. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
With you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. <laughs> Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For when he humbled himself to come among us as human flesh, he fulfilled the plan you formed before the foundation of the world to open for us the way of salvation. Confident that you promised, your promise will be fulfilled, we now watch for the day when Christ our Lord will come again in glory. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise.
Lord, you're holy indeed, the fount of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Take. (laughs) We just did that. Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, but Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and the blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. Remember especially those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up to stay. Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra and Karen and Tammy and Marie, Patrick, Laura, Robert, the Gamanis family, Matthew, our Marines and sailors, all who serve in their armed services, <clears throat> and Denise. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all and make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs, all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, so we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are they who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
You know, Christ, uh, Christ promised us life and life abundantly. And I don't think you ever put a minute in, whether it's in prayer, praise, or worship, whether it's in your prayer closet or an open congregation, that you don't gain. If you ever lose, you always gain. He always wants us to be moving forward. He's always there hoping that we'll hang on and he can accelerate us forward into his life and into the life of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. As you go out from this place, remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against him. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Thanks be to God.